Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 138 on the OneHour.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back off AmericasCardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on any one of the adverts or banners on the OneHour.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneHour.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash OneHour. This episode and all other previous episodes are available on the OneHour.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, please email questions at OneHour.com and we will get to them on an upcoming episode. Alex, episode 138, you are back in Bullhead City, uh, going on Facebook updates. It's, uh, as we say in Scotland, it's roasting. Uh, <laughs> um, so what's been happening and are you staying hydrated? I am staying hydrated. Thank you for asking, and thank you guys for having me on, as per usual. Uh, this is a very strange season in my life, Barry. I, it never ceases to amaze me all the things I've gotten to experience. There's sometimes I I complain about my life, and then I forget how lucky I've been. Uh, there's just so many things I've seen. And now I've gotten to see a heat wave in Arizona. <laughs> so it was literally 120 degrees Fahrenheit the other day. And I, I don't... Barry, did you happen to look up what that is in Celsius for our uh, no, international listeners? Do you know what? At the time I said I got, I got to check what that is in Celsius. And I didn't, I didn't do it. But while you're talking, I can do it just now. Um, so why, don't you, kinda... why don't you go ahead and do that and I'll keep riffing. Mm-hmm. It's 48.8 Celsius? Yeah. Okay, my mother says it's 48.8 Celsius. So yeah, it's hot. It's hot. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> hot. Yeah, my, To put it mildly, yeah, that's hot. And uh, other than that, so yesterday I get home. Well, first off, let's talk about why I'm home from the World Series. I... <laughs> I love poker. I love Las Vegas. I'll admit, I, my bankroll wasn't exactly there to be out there playing. But there's another thing I've been talking about with my friends. I thought this was isolated incidents with me. I kept thinking I got, kept getting bad tables and just some selfish kids. There was, it, in the e, uh, the WPT Prague that I was lucky enough to final table... There was a there was a kid who took a long time with his decisions, but I defended him quite a bit because I could tell he was legitimately thinking. Mm-hmm. He just he, he he just he grew up as a live player, and you could tell he really needed to think through each situation. And I'm I'm used to there always being one of those guys. There's sometimes there's a guy who's new to the game and he takes his time or whatever, and. Uh, he, uh, I'm used to just one of those guys being at the table. At the World Series, there was traditionally three or four of those at every table, mm-hmm. and I got the idea they weren't really thinking about much of anything. Could, could you imagine a soccer game where they kick it to the midfielder and the guy just stands there with the ball? Mm-hmm. And then the other team goes what in the world and then eventually after 45 seconds runs up on the guy and then he kicks it to another guy in the midfield and that guy holds it for 45 seconds you would you you you'd be going what is the what yeah. what, what benefit does this have what are you doing yeah one it's not a spectator sport straight away you know <laughs> right exactly and it's uh that's how it feels at Las Vegas, and I was telling people I'm 
I'm probably, well, I'm not probably, I'm going to move out to the East Coast. I really like the East Coast. But more than anything, I want to be a $70 flight from Montreal because those people play fast. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of poker going on. Things are on the up and up. And Vegas is well and fine. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of... The most fun I had in Vegas was playing Planet Hollywood tournaments because people played fast and they were fun. And it was a lot of people just playing cards. And uh, it, it... but the, the, you get that in pretty much any event. In Florida, you get you get a lot of uh, fast poker in Florida. You get a lot of fast poker in Montreal. I feel like when I was in L.A., they played a little faster. But in Vegas, for whatever reason, the pros are really slow and they're really condescending to the recreational guys. And I, I guess... There's a lot of people there that were just saying, yeah, this is my first year at the World Series. I'm never coming back because uh, the guy who works at a water bottling plant or whatever it is, he, he shows up there and he just wants to play some cards. He's playing three or four events. He's ridden the money off. He's gotten the time. You got to think of how hard it is for normal people to get the time to play poker. And if they... If they get out there to play three or four events, and on each one of their tables is three or four pros berating them about their play and taking ten minutes to play every hand, they're never going to come back. And I saw a lot of that. And furthermore, yeah, I do have an edge when uh, even when people play slow, but if they do, in a way, it's a clever strategy because what they end up doing is making it so every hand is more meaningful as opposed to if I got to play a number of hands, most likely I would be able to beat these people, which is why I'm coming back for the WCP main event because I get so much time with everybody over each level. But there's a, if they, if I just get, there was one time I counted in one 30 minute level, we got nine hands or something. And if they do that, it's again, it's like the guy, the midfielder, uh, it, it, it's like the midfielder just holding the ball and then forcing there to just be one play or something like that. Now, so anyway, I just felt like I wasn't even getting a really quality. I felt like they did in their to their credit, they cut down my ROI a bit in these games. But I, if you thought you could play poker, I don't know why you'd do that because you're cutting down your own ROI as well. Mm-hmm. You're just essentially making the game a hyper-turbo for everybody. So, yeah, I headed home. Didn't really want to head home. But I also I was backed up on a lot of projects and everything. And, uh, yeah, it's real hot here. So, anyway, I today, yesterday was my first. These were my first couple days back. I hope you're sitting down, Barry. My flight got delayed oh, on the way back. <laughs> Oh yeah. We should just play elevator music at this point. You know. Sorry. I know, right? It, it, well, okay. Well, the funniest thing is there was a storm, and I kept checking Delta updates, and I was thinking, are they going to delay this? And then they didn't say anything until I got there. So I get there two hours early. I'm waiting, and then they're and then they go, but but but, you got to wait another two hours, right? <laughs> and. Uh, Eventually, yeah, I get there so late, I end up having to stay the night in Vegas. Uh, obviously, I'm shot for that day because I didn't get sleep. We got to drive through to Bullhead City. Today's my first day of work. Uh, yesterday was my first day of work, and I knew I was going to be cranky because I didn't get sleep the night before. And this is the day I have. <laughs> this is... I wake up, my, I, I'm just totally telling this for hilarity value, because life bad beats are pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I wake up, uh, I check the mail, there's a hospital bill uh, in the thousands of dollars from uh, an emergency room visit I had. Again, uh, not going to get into it. Uh, essentially, there was a... I'm not going to get into it. It was something really dumb to go to the emergency room for. And, yeah, so anyway, 
uh, just nice little $1,000 bill to start the day. And I go, okay, that's wonderful. Then I go to the doctor's office. Uh, because there's just, it's really weird in Costa Rica, you just walk in, or many countries I've lived in, you just walk in and say, hey, these are the meds I take. This is uh, what I've been diagnosed for. They recheck it, and it, that's it. But in the United States, it's such a long ordeal to get anything done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, yeah, so I had one doctor that was supposed to write me a prescription for something. It one thing will add to another. It didn't work out. I had to go. I I had to go to this emergency room doctor just to uh, get a prescription that was supposed to be refilled because I'd gone to six or seven offices to get it legitimately filled and they wouldn't do it, or they were closed when they were supposed to be open when they told me they'd be open, or they were open but yeah so. They do this thing in the states where they charge you, and then they go, "Nothing I can do for you." Mm-hmm. And I've ne- that's never ceased to amaze me. Uh, I remember going to a doctor one time with strep throat, and they went, "Yeah, you have strep throat. I'm not going to give you antibiotics." <laughs> and then I went, "Well, what the hell do I need you for?" And, and then they they went, "Well, we're trying not to prescribe antibiotics as much now." And I went, "Well, you know, I won't tell anybody if you you give me medicine. Don't worry." And uh, they went, no, I don't want to give it to you. And I'm like, what? what is this, Civil War medicine? We'll let it run its course? What's wrong with you? Yeah. And anyway, uh, most of these doctors, it, it was just a technical thing. Uh, only psychiatrists can prescribe my medicine in the States. And I had yada, yada. It was supposed to get blah, blah, blah. And anyway, so I get a legitimate doctor's appointment. Cool. I go to the doctor. Uh, they gave me the wrong address. They sent me to somebody's house, which was, it looked like a nice house, but probably not a doctor's office. And then, uh, I walk in and I wait around for three hours. The doctor sees me for seven minutes. Doesn't really look at me. Uh, there you go. There's a, there's $200. (laughs) Uh, okay. Okay. But but he did give me some paperwork for some things I needed. So I'm trying to keep a positive attitude. Uh, not everything I had going on. I go home. Uh, my AC is not functioning as well. Today it actually is working pretty well, praise be to God. Touch wood, as you Scots would say. But, woo boy, it's 120 degrees outside and your AC isn't working so hot. Oh, my God. So it's it's weird because if it doesn't work so hot for 20 minutes or I don't know if it was just so hot outside that I couldn't keep this part of the house cool, but it was hot. So I'm sweating at my desk trying to teach. And then my computer that's worth $2,000 breaks like it's shot. <laughs> like it's it's done like that's it. And so. I was thinking, well, since breakfast, I'm out about three thousand two hundred dollars. <laughs> like, this is and there's still this is going, there's still lots of the day left as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> what else is gonna go on? And uh, I, uh, I'm not gonna act like I handled it well because then I discovered uh, a little mess that uh, I thought I'd cleaned up. And I, I was up till about midnight cleaning up around here and trying to fix things with my computer. And I just, uh, I just had it, man. And I, I have not gotten this pissed in a long time. And I, I got into it. I got into a screaming fit with the wall, which wasn't that good. No. But, uh. You know, just over my computer. It was me trying to fix my computer and nothing working. And uh, and then I was thinking, it's really strange. And our culture, eventually I was fine. I just, whatever, right? I, I, I re-hooked up. Fortunately, I have a, I have a dinky little laptop that, uh, it, it's all right. It'll work. Thank God for small miracles. I, I found out, eventually... Once I stop pissing and moaning, I don't, 
it's really funny. If I had a bad day in poker and I lost that much money, it wouldn't do anything to me. But you do expect your... Com- it. The problem was I was teaching a lesson and it was going amazing. I had one of my really good students. The visuals were incredible. Things were just humming. And then my computer needed to get restarted for this basic thing and that was it. It was not turning up. Uh, it, it was not turning on, right? And I just, ah. It, and then I'm thinking, it's, I was thinking I had this, once I got my computer hooked up and everything was okay, Barry, what percentage of guys do have just fits sometimes? Just at least once a year, just a, just a, oh my God, maybe not even a, not even with another person, but just a, uh, it, I, I remember a buddy of mine kept, uh, <laughs> one of the most level-headed guys I knew, but he kept putting things out for the goodwill, and uh, his, his, uh, his family, who wasn't doing much of anything, he kept trying to get his kids to bring it down to the goodwill, and they just kept not doing it, and eight, the eighth time... He, he asked, he went, well, not, these kids are not getting these toys, I'm sorry. So he took them to a dumpster in front of them and threw it away and said, there you go. Uh, if you guys don't want to do something, don't do it. And I'm thinking, would you estimate every guy does has a conniption about once a year? Would you, would you say at that's least, right? At least I would say, yeah. Well, because it's funny because in popular culture, the the... Obviously, the ideal is the strong, sensitive male, which is what you're trying to be, especially, uh, uh, especially around women. That's the ideal. And, but I'm trying to, uh, I'm, I was kind of thinking I was really embarrassed, but if you don't take it out on anyone, if you go to a punching bag and just go, ah, like, you're kind of... I, I would assume that's pretty normal, right? But I was I was pretty deeply ashamed uh, just about even getting to that moment. If, if but I, I guess if there's a day to do it, it's the the problem with the computer is there's so many files on it. I just got well, okay, all my students' lessons are safe. I just extrapolated all of those and put them on external hard drives. Obviously. I didn't have the wherewithal. Oh, wait, you know what? I think, oh, I just made my own day. I think I did back up a ton of files during all of that. Oh, everything's fine. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I just remembered I backed. But the thing is, when you lose a computer, it's all the files on the computer, right, that you're more worried about, not the computer itself. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I know you're just downloading horror movies, so you don't care, but there's... <laughs> For those of us who work on the computer, Barry, there's a well. Imagine your eBay account just got deleted. Yeah. What that? It, how much time and energy that would be worth? Years. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. There's a lot of. I think I just realized. I think I backed up a lot. I just had a specific memory of me thinking, "Oh, these word documents are really valuable to you." back them up. I just made my own day. I can't believe I remembered to do that. Okay, everything's cool, Barry. Life is good, man. And guess what? The air conditioning is working now. Life is good. But uh, it's a uh, it it's just funny how every guy has their breaking point. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I I heard years had to deal with a $14 food order last night. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Actually, with the current exchange rate, it was more like a $12 food food order. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I think it's the heat as well. We've not been uh, 48 degrees here, but in Scotland the last week, we've been around 25, uh, right up to touching, sort of like in the UK, 30 in some places, which is hot for here, you know. Uh, the heat does something, right? The heat does. It's uh, You're not drinking up. Dehydration causes frustration, rage, and pissed offness. <laughs> it's, you oh. Know, Big Dude, time. So sure. if you're if you're hot and you're not drinking enough water, and that eventually, little things can escalate and become, uh, you know, become issues that and that makes you, and then that can escalate more. And it's sort of like anything; it gets a bit of um, 
momentum, you know, and you can look back and say, but I, I think it's healthy to have it out sometimes, you know, to have that fit and rage, and I think sometimes so everyone wants to be a better person and try and control rage and anger and like impulse mm-hmm. and stuff, but I think there is something, uh, you know, biologically or whatever with males that you do need to let off a little steam sometimes, in, in whatever way that is, I think, I think it's healthy. I I think I I do believe if you get angry and you go oh what would be a great I it, just anything constructive is really good what I did yesterday is I was just I was just in fits and I decided I was going to clean my house because I don't know why yeah. that that was my thing and I did it till in something I'm realizing I used to whine a lot, which was, I never have, I still whine a lot, but I used to whine a lot, too. Uh, But I used to think, God, why do I have to take care of all these little things? And it just seems I never get that much free time. And I realize the older I get, the real reward in life is that you have a house you even claim. And you're even doing well with that. And there is something to seeing a place clean Mm -hmm. that is really helpful. But I I think if there's constructive ways to take care of it, which is you get to the gym. I loved being pissed off and getting to the weight room because it was just all gone at the end. But then there's also you get mad and you decide I'm going to have a couple cold ones and I'm going to (laughs) tell... someone what I really think of them and that that's not good obviously so I guess it's hard to well yeah I was going to say I mean like I've you know not just my my partner you know but other people have sometimes when I've been in it they say like well camp like calm down whatever but it's I'm not at the stage or I would never you know like I think if you're smashing stuff up and you're going like that far I think you need you know not help but I think you need to check yourself and sort of go right this isn't great you know it's like if you're lashing out but if you're ranting and raving for a few minutes and that's what it takes and then it's gone i think i think that's healthy but i think as soon as you start like smashing walls and doors and uh desks and stuff i think that's quite dangerous because i think the next thing is 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 a person you know that you're that you're doing it to you exactly. Know. Well, and if there's kids around, yeah, you don't want them to see that. No, you don't want anyone to see that. And, I, you know, you don't want to do that. So if I was at that stage, I would say, whoa, I'm out of line. But, you know, yeah, if a guy screws up my order and then phones me, basically cliffs, I phone back to complain all nice, and he tells me, oh, it's fine, I'll just send out uh, sauce uh, that I've misplaced, and you can reheat the food, it'll be fine. Then that's the line for me, Alex, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, if I want to reheat stuff, I, I would have cooked tonight, you know, and then that was it. But little things, uh, it's, I think it's weird because there's death, uh, the heat is a huge thing. Uh, statistically, riots and stuff always tend to happen more in summertime. Um, oh, interesting. And it's to do with heat and the human condition of getting yourself all hot and bothered. And I think when people are traveling... That's why you see it more in, like, you know, airports and people, like, doing crazy shit that they would never, ever think of doing. But they're hot, they're tired, they're dehydrated, and little things start becoming big things, and it's dangerous. So, um, yeah, a little little bit of chilling out and anger management, you know, sort of thing. It's healthy. But, again, I I believe that being a... I don't want to be sick, but I think being a testosterone-filled poker player who's in 48-degree heat, I think you're entitled to maybe shout and swear at the wall a bit. But the wall will always win, you know? It's like, yeah, he he yeah. got he got a few good cuts in last night. But, I, well, it was it's so weird because when you're younger, you get angry about the dumbest thing, right? It's, oh, I didn't I didn't final table that tournament. <laughs> that That's the... I, I'm not trying to make fun of my friends who play poker professionally, but when they... I I hear, of course, I get, when I was coming up, I I got very, very angry when I missed uh, final tables. Uh, The EPT San Ramo final table really stands out in my head. I had nothing Mm -hmm. left 
when I made that final table. I couldn't. I had the flu. I couldn't sleep the entire tournament. I was. Uh, I, you could ask for Oz Jocka about this. I was sleeping in the other room, and they were listening to me. I'm, I'm trying to find a word that's not disgusting, but I, I was uh, just something was coming up all night, and it, mm. it, it, it was one of those things like, is he going to live? Much yeah. less get to that final table. I was sweating, and when I, I it, obviously when I busted that final table, I was just livid. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff like that, and uh, but it's funny. I just at a certain age. I uh I recently I was having I'd have a drink here and there which I always my policy was I never wanted to be that guy who was just I never drink because I I typically hate that guy. I hate anybody that makes their diet a part of them, a very intimate part of them because whatever you want to do that's great, but don't force it on other people. Yeah. But I had a I had a drink uh, and just a, just a normal drink, and the next day I was all irritable. I got into an argument I wouldn't normally get into, and I realized, God, you know, this stuff stays in your system. You're 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 not on your game, right? So I just I cut all that crap out, just any anything, really, uh, as much as. And I'm not one of those people that, you know, marijuana and alcohol is evil. It's a, you know, if if that's your thing, that's your thing. It's just not right for me. But ever since I've cut that stuff out, it, it's funny what makes you angry. Like the, it, it's so funny. People in tournament poker just get so angry. It's, oh, I was twenty out the money. What I hear when you say that is, it was a dead normal poker tournament. Yeah. yeah. Because. Poker tournaments are silly things. They're they're supposed to be a little silly. That's why people play them. Mm-hmm. They're it, it, the great thing about poker is you can just walk in and you can win off the street and you can be a great player and not really win one of these for a number of months and just way the cards go. And yeah, it's uh uh I I think going back to the anger management thing I think it's when it starts coming out on other people. You got to start looking at it, and if it comes out, and that includes yourself, if you're just treating yourself terrible, you got and you got to talk to someone if that becomes a regular thing. But yeah, the heat, yeah, that heat, Matt. Well, the, the it's so funny you bring up airports. Everybody just goes psychotic in airports. It's always so funny to me. I, it's a, if the last 20 times you went to an airport, it was a crap show. Did you really expect number 21 to be a good time? Did you, did you think everything was good? Bring a book, bring some snacks, bring some water, but wear some loose-fitting clothes and expect it to be a little tough, okay? Yeah. But, yeah, anyways, I guess we should... Uh, yeah, I guess we should get into before some questions. Our, before our listeners start smashing their uh, iPhones and computers that they're listening on, uh, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's get into some questions. Uh, okay, this one is from Jacob. Hey guys, I've not sent a question in for a long time, but I still listen every week. I would like to know about folding big hands in online tournaments. If we have 35 to 50 big blinds and we open queens and we end up facing a five-bet shove for all of our, all of our queens. Um, I think he means chips there. Uh, can we fold queen-queen or even king-king here? Let's say we have no hands on the player at all. Then just for balance against another player who is on the aggressive side, but can we still fold queens here or maybe not king-kings? Ha-ha, <laughs> thanks. I, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you, Jacob, for your question. I'm typically of the opinion online poker. God, I'm missing. That's the other reason I'm here is to play online poker, man. I, after playing live poker for a couple weeks, God, live is amazing. Uh, online is amazing. Just like this is awesome when I'm playing online. And uh, it, it, but the other thing I wanted to say. Hold on a second. Something just went. Everything all right? 
Okay, I thought I heard something crash. My mom's breaking stuff. We're all in the mood now. <laughs> incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah we're, we're getting it in, man. <laughs> we're going to... My mom and I are going to roam the streets of Bullhead City after this and knock over some flower pots. Uh, but Would anyone notice? <laughs> probably not. Nobody's going to go outside. Hey, this kid's breaking your flower pot. Well, I'm not going to the end of the driveway to fight with him, all right? It's 48 degrees Celsius out. It's uh, You let him break those flower pots. But uh, generally, I, I don't think it's a good idea, and I'm going to tell you why. You generally should not be folding those hands. It's uh, It's not that there's not situations for that. They're just... It's very difficult to identify them in online poker. The reason being, uh, the reason being, people play a little bit more aggressively in online poker. Obviously, the uh, the anonymous nature of it does assist people. If you would normally not be an aggressive player, they it, it, you would. Uh, if you would normally not be an aggressive player, you do have a bit of a mask when it comes to online poker. Barry and I were talking about this. He was telling me the story of him getting into it. Thanks, Mom. My mom just brought me a coffee because she's the greatest mom ever. And uh, Barry was talking about he got into this argument uh, with this gentleman, and the guy guy refunded your money, right? Mm -hmm. Eventually. Okay. I've gotten into I cannot tell you how many arguments in my life where I clearly deserved a refund and the guy was just, no, I'm not going to do it. And I think it's because, and this is just something I've always wanted to talk about, which I thought was funny. I think, I think it's honestly because uh, I, I think my voice is a little higher pitched. And I think people, when they hear my voice and when they see me, they go, ah, I could take him. Right? Whereas Barry, you know, he's this big Scotsman, comes in with the rich tenor. You're going, all right, okay, buddy, here's your 15 bucks. You go for it. But it's funny to me because online I can get away with murder. And live, actually now I get away, I, 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 do, I do get to play more or less my normal game. But live I used to always be confused, like, why aren't my bluffs working and stuff like that. And, uh... I think it's because my voice goes like this. No, but I think it's because I, I, in real life, you just see, like, this guy's a nerd. He reads sci-fi books, and his hair is kind of sticking up, and he's got a goofy video game shirt on. I'm not folding to this dude, which is why you should generally, something I've been doing lately is, it, by the way, as far as attire for for poker, you guys got to go with the long sleeve uh, uh, shirt. The long sleeve sweater is optimal when you play live poker. Get because if it gets cold, you can roll down the sleeves. If it gets a little warmer, you roll up the sleeves. It looks classy without being a little too classy. And you know, it's funny. I swear my C bets work more and my double barrels work more because <laughs> no, because I mean, you think about it. I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not immune to this. When the kid sits down with the Beats headphones and he, he looks disgusting and he. He has his uh, his feet spilling out of uh, what do they what do they call them now? Slides. Uh, they're they're uh, I sound a hundred years old by the way. They're sandals and they're it, like the guy couldn't even bother to get dressed to go to the poker table today, and he really thinks I'm going to fold to this bet. <laughs> believe believe you me, that is not happening. But if if the guy dressed presentably, you think. It's just like when a guy shows up at the table and he's in good shape, you automatically think, oh, this is a guy who has his life a little bit more together. And when he bets, you figure, maybe he's got a plan. I don't, it looks like he thinks about things before he does them. And it, we, would act, we can all sit here and act like we don't profile, but that's not true. But taking this back to what we were talking about, online you have none of this. You can be anyone you want online. It. It was. I always thought it was really cool in online poker when Annette Obrestad was kicking butt because she's, you know, she's this five foot nothing Norwegian girl, but she yeah. she just killed everybody online because nobody. Well, she killed everybody live too. Let's be perfectly honest. But she uh, she could be anybody she wanted to be online. So online, I feel like there's that caped crusader uh, element. So it's really hard. I do find people. 
will do bluffs they wouldn't normally do. If there's a guy who's 12-10 at an online table, I'm still not folding kings almost ever. I do fold queens on occasion, uh, just when it's the nittiest player. If it's a 12-10 with a 3% 3-bet, and the guy 3-bet and under-the-gun opener, and today you, you can table search him, and you see he's playing 14 tables, and this is his highest buy-in, and he's running 6-4 at this table. Yeah, by all means, fold the queens. Don't tell anyone you did it, but... <laughs> that's the other thing is you don't have to tell anyone if you fold these hands. That's the that's the funniest thing. It's uh, it's so weird to me when my students go, well, what if I fold and I'm wrong? And I go, well, how would you know? Well, what yeah. if they get it in and I'm wrong? Well, as long as you don't tell anyone, it's your it's our secret. It it it's fine. Everybody makes mistakes. I'd rather you make the mistake that you thought at the time was the right play as opposed to going with the crowd and then finding it was an egregiously large mistake. But in, in something Carlos Welch and I talk a lot about is poker is not a game of perfect. It's a game of making the smallest mistakes. And one really, if you think you barely have a smidgen of equity, but not that much and you fold, that's a much better mistake then you thought there was a smidgen of equity, you got all your chips in and found out you're actually way behind. Uh, Even though both of those you had about the same estimation of your hand, the first mistake is a much, much, much mistake than the second one. So, yeah, there's a time and a place for it, but the strategies you should be employing, I'm, uh, well, one thing I was working on yesterday, which is why I got so angry... Uh, I'm trying to write a little ebook about three betting because I really do believe it's the future. I, I'm telling everybody the three bet is the new open because everybody just, it's almost as if they're posting another big blind when they open in early position. Carlos was saying, I, I can't open from middle position anymore because everybody just opens in early position. I was thinking, that's great, dude. That's a boy, my voice is cracking a lot more than it used to. <laughs> it's like I'm trying to make my point from earlier. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's great because you can three bet more, but generally, if you're going to be three betting more, people are going to start four betting a bit more. And I just don't think you're going to be, you're, you're going to be folding these kings or queens hands. But, by the way, did we announce I have a new book out on this show? Yeah, oh, okay, that's we true. did. Okay, the I can book. Yeah, we talked uh, about it. But feel free. No, I just uh, speaking of books. There's a new book out called Sharp Staking. A very cool book I did with my friends. Very technical. I tried to, I tried to provide some levity. I, there wasn't really much of a segue there, but I was thinking about I'm trying to write another small book on three betting, and I went, oh wait a minute, did I bring up the other book we have out? So yeah, and uh, okay, let's let's go to the next question. Okay, the next question is... I'm just going to throw a little side note in as well. Just when we're talking about online there, I played a little bit online myself on Sunday and I saw... Uh, it was Riards actually on Twitter speaking about someone was open shoving 100 big blinds in the Sunday warm-up, you know, a 2.15 buy-in. Um, and it's just when people say... Like, people sending questions to Alex quite regularly uh, for the show and they say, you know, is live poker you know, so hard, and is it dead, etc. now, and Alex has told people, you know, why it's not, and I just think if you've not played in a while, go online and play, and I'm not saying it's not tougher than 2007 or 2005, whatever, it obviously is, but nobody can say there isn't a lot of dead money in online poker today, like, regardless of the site you're playing on, I think, you know, we would obviously say, play on ACR, which is where I saw some crazy play, and I also played the half buy in Sunday Million on Stars on Sunday, and that was just, some of the, you know, the play into it a few hours as well was just, you know, hilarious, in the sense that people that say, oh, you know, it's it's solved now, you can't beat No Limit Holding. Oh, that's hilarious. I either either think they've, they've never played online in a long time, or... I don't know, they're just, well, just they can't maybe or something. It's crazy. You know, it's, some of this stuff was literally free money and free chips. It was, you know, it was not. Well, I, I see that as a fan of baseball, I, I, the other, this sounds so ridiculous, another part of the reason I'm home is some families in America have college football season. My mother and I have baseball season. 
She's a huge Cubs mm. fan. I'm a huge Mariners fan. She's a Mariners fan, too, but she also recognizes they suck. Uh, but in baseball, when I was a kid, it was... I, I don't know if you... Did the names... This is going to be interesting, Barry. Do the names Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa mean anything to you? No, nothing. N- nothing? Oh, my no. God. They're, they're American legends. Anyway, these were two... Barry Bonds? Do you know who Barry Bonds is? Yeah, yeah, Barry oh, Bonds. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, all these guys... All under steroid investigation, eventually. But, uh... They would hit 70 home runs a year, and they were just, everybody was so excited. Barry, if you ever come to the States, I will take you to a baseball game. I'll explain some things to you. I, I admit it's a acquired taste. I'm never going to get you to like it as much as me, but there's one thing you will love. It is when they crank that ball out of that stadium. It is a sight. I was going to say the hot dog. (laughs) Somebody called me a hot dog eater one time in Europe, and I thought it was the funniest thing. I think he meant it. I think he meant it in a derogatory way, but I thought, I I think he was doing it as a half joke, half like, let's prod the American and see if he fights back. And I just thought it was Mm -hmm. the funniest thing I'd ever heard in my life. Oh, you damn hot dog eater. Did you bluff me? And then, uh, Anyway, but, yeah, when you crank out – anyway, back in the day in baseball, there was uh, 70 – these guys would hit 70 home runs, and the game has changed in that a really good player now will hit 45 home runs because the pitchers have become wildly advanced, right? And, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure as a hitter that's super frustrating, but – there's some of these guys. They you hear these young kids and they go, "Oh yeah, the pitchers are they're so they're so creative now and they're so intelligent and they work so hard." But God, it just makes it more fun for me to try to hit that, uh, you know, to hit it out of the ballpark, right? And you think maybe that's the attitude we should have in poker, which is, yeah, everybody's getting good, but you you can still crank out some wins and. The other thing is, quite frankly, there's not as much money in poker as there is in baseball or any of these other competitive endeavors. So you're not going to get as many hyper-educated people in it because they, they quite frankly, could make more money on Wall Street. And mm-hmm. what you are going to get is a lot of very lazy pros, and I find them really easy to take on. Uh, if you ever get a class with me, I will, uh, I will front... I will get you I will get you to the point where you're taking them down. I will teach you exactly what they're doing and how to take it down. And it's it's really yeah, it's a little more complex than before, but the advantage I think I've always had, Barry, and I think you can hear this in my voice throughout all the podcasts, is I really just enjoy solving these puzzles. These are really fun to me. And if you just look at it as a puzzle, poker and I think you're experiencing this now, Barry, now that you're not playing professional. Isn't it so much more fun when you just show up and try to figure it out and don't really have any expectations? Yeah, 100%. I mean, the last few times I've played live and also online, I've really enjoyed it. There's no, like, I need to go on and really, like, force anything or I need to try and make this happen here. or so. You know, it's... I'm just turning up and letting what happens happens and sort of reacting to that exactly. sort of thing and just it just playing. A, I mean, actually, poker's a game again for me, which is great. I mean, uh, you know, like 2000 and whatever, like 11, 12, and so like I remember, you know, just eking out wins here and grinding and grinding here and then up and down, up and down. And honestly, I don't, I don't miss all that at all, man. I didn't play for like you know probably a year and a half, two years, and I missed poker, but I didn't miss, like, playing poker for a living Mm -hmm. at all, you know what I mean, at all. And it's, it's... I think, if we get nothing across to you guys on this show, this is supposed to be a game for much longer of a time before it's your profession. Uh, I remember Mr. Menlo, who was one of the best online players when I was starting, they said, when do you go pro? And this guy was... This guy could play cards, guys. Like, this guy was good. And he said, quite frankly, I waited till I had a million dollars before I went pro. And that he, of course, had some pretty 
But he was saying even if he had 100K or something, he was still staying in school and stuff because he was saying 100K is just 100K. It's, uh, it, it, it's obviously that's a lot of money. And if you sock away it in savings, it's a ton of money. But if you use that as a poker bankroll, I can tell you from experience, you can go through that quite quickly. And uh, yeah. he was saying, I just didn't want to do it. And I was thinking, if that guy who's that good didn't want to go pro, I was a little nuts to go pro at 18 with $8,000 or whatever I had in my poker bankroll. And just have fun with it, guys. It's, it's really fun. It's, it, it just... I actually think there's... Sorry. In oh, go ahead. No, I, no. I, 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 I would never call myself uh, a poker pro, even then. I played poker for a living. I think there's a difference. I wasn't professional about it at all. You that's know? a real. And, uh, that's a really good way to turn the phrase. I like that. You know, it's like I was found a little niche in uh, sitting goes in the one eighties and stuff, and just I I, I basically grind uh, grinded out. You know, like a, a wage which was between ten and fifteen dollars an hour or whatever. You were between them and tournaments and a little bit of cash, and then playing live and whatever, and I made enough to just get back and pay my bills, which was great, and was great, but it was 40 hours plus 50 hours, you know, grind, it was, there was no easy money, it wasn't like I clicked the button and got, got it or whatever, and even though at those stakes that I was playing, there was emotional, like, shit of, like, up and down, up and down, oh, yes. losing, losing days, and, and whatever, and I didn't study enough, you know, I, I'd review some hands, um, to, to be fair on myself, the last year I did, I really put in a lot more work mm-hmm. than I'd ever put in, but anything before that, I did nothing, which was, which in a weird way, I quit when uh, I actually put in the most work, and I think the the, the realisation is, I've, to- I've talked about it on the podcast before, is I realised I didn't love poker enough to put yes. in required work, which was needed. I, even though I was putting in work, I didn't love it enough to sit and really dissect hands, to really make, uh, you know, crazy notes on lots of this and that. It was, I was very much autopilot in uh, the 180s, and it was still good enough for like, a, you know, a 30% ROI or whatever, and it was... That was it. I, I made I made an income from poker. I was never a poker professional. That's you know, a, I, I like how you're saying I was playing I was for a living. I wasn't a professional poker player. And I think it, there's this song, oh God, I can't remember the name of the artist, but it, 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 was, a, it, it was an artist saying, uh, people telling him you have to do this for the love. And it, 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 there's some yeah. amazing lines, like, my kids are hungry, what does love have to do with it? And it, it, and he was like, but the funny thing about this music business is you have to love it even when you don't even like it. And mm-hmm. that always really stuck with me, because there's times poker will break your heart. It. I don't think I've... People always do that, have you gotten your due, and... I, now I think that's a trifling, stupid question because it's uh, if you're playing cards in an air-conditioned room for a living, I, I think you're I think you're doing pretty well, right? But yeah, have I gotten a big score? Not like not not the ones I've wanted, but who cares? Because it's uh, you gotta love it even when you don't like it. And then I think this is another reason I I think Carlos Welch is such a good role model for people is he keeps his expenses down. And it's not that he can't afford certain things. He just knows the day this becomes about the money, and this is something you and I fell prey to, Barry, was, and it's funny, it was in such different contexts. You were trying to become a pro because it it looked like good money. I was making good money, but I, I was living beyond my means. I was buying houses and businesses and cars and I didn't do any of it on payment plans, but if I'd taken that money and put it back into my bankroll, into more secure investments, Roth IRAs, stuff like that, it would have been much more fun. And uh, instead, I was always just working myself like a rented mule, 50, 60 hours a day, a day, 50, 60 hours a week, right? <laughs> I, was, I, I was using a time machine. It felt like that. The yeah. same one from <laughs> Harry Potter the, but, uh, that Hermione used. 
And as uh, it, it, but you, I I really love what Carlos is doing. I I think Jonathan Little was the one I was talking about. That Jonathan Little and I were talking about. Isn't it amazing what Carlos is doing? Yeah, he he calls himself a professional poker student. He's like you. He doesn't call himself a professional poker player, and he just travels the country and now sometimes the world. Uh, he went down to the Bahamas and some other countries. And he just he does it on a shoestring because he knows once this becomes about the money, it's not fun anymore. And I'm watching that guy grow by leaps and bounds, Barry, because he's free to try anything he wants because he plays games he can afford to lose and he tries every day. Obviously, when he obviously he wants to win, but he's not he's not doing it like you and I did, where we had to win, which is not the way to do this. And if you guys are listening at home, always keep this any form of gambling. You only use money you can afford to lose. That that is what because it is it is problem gambling once you go beyond that. Okay, and Definitely. that a, anywho, uh, let's keep. I think we have time yeah. for one more, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's, let's do, do another let's question. Do um, this one is. Uh, what one will we do? We'll go for this one because the last one is one we've kind of touched on. Well, we'll leave that for another show. Uh, this one is from Mike. Hey guys, quick question: Live tournaments. How can I exploit people on or near the bubble? Locally, all these guys just want to make the money or just make the final table. Please, can you give me tips on how to exploit this? Thanks. A really good question, Mike. Thank you for asking that. It's uh, it. No, oh, excuse me. <coughs> I tried to take a pull of my coffee right before then and it went down the wrong pipe. But, okay, anywho. Uh, the thing I find with poker that's really hard for me to explain, and I, I've never really found a terrific way to do this, is the adjustments are so slight when you're a professional poker player that you wouldn't even really notice it. So, I'll, gi- I'll, give, uh, I'll give you a hypothetical and you'll do it at home. I... I'm not going to embarrass, embarrass Barry this time like I did a few episodes ago, <laughs> which was, although I did want to simulate what a poker lesson's like, uh, it, yeah. there's things, well, okay, you have ace-nine offsuit in the hijack on the bubble. Do you open that? I would still say most of the time no, but... Let's say ace. That's the thing. I I don't increase my opening ranges just because you're on the bubble. Uh, You what you can do a little bit more is you punish them in the you you punish them from the butt in and the cutoff a bit more. I think you can three bet a bit more because if there's a guy who opens, I was. I feel like I'm name-dropping tournaments sometimes, but I, I do want you guys to know, way back when, when I was coming upon the final table in LAPT Brazil, there was a guy who was a good player, and maybe you, he wasn't a good player, but he, he, was, he was decent, right? And he knew to open quite a bit, and he could take advantage of it, and he opened from middle position. I, I didn't even look at my hand, right? And then uh, I just three-bet him from the button. And I think this is a good example of how to take advantage of people on the bubble. And for those of you who don't know, the bubble is right before you get money in a poker tournament. So whoever loses at this point is... That was the other thing I learned in Vegas, Barry. A lot of guys listen to this podcast that don't know a ton about poker, and their wives listen, and their kids listen. So I figure we got to start explaining some of this. Which is why you need to quit dropping f bombs, my friend. <laughs> well, I do. I do put explicit content in the the little notice. In the I iTunes, know you do, so, uh... but we're you know <laughs> you and me privately, my friend. We'll 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 drop some f bombs. But yeah, anyhow. Yeah, yeah. I I, I got to work on it. Um, it's a good hat. I still am terrible at it. Like I can, when we're talking here, I know I can do it because I don't cuss here. But then sometimes. It's lazy. It is it's laziness. Really laziness. Well, it it's is. awful when I'm around women and then I do it and then I it, it's just it feels so beneath me now. I've made so many adjustments to become a better person. I just keep rattling off 
cuss words. But yeah, anyhow, I'll never get over that. But anyway, this guy had about 30 big blinds. He opened to three, and I made it eight. Came around to him. He, he, you could tell the look on his face. It was just classic. He knew he'd been had, right? He couldn't do anything. And he folded, and I, I looked at my hand really quick, just out of curiosity, and it happened to be do seven offsuit. And it was a really fun moment because there was a poker dealer behind me, and he was just, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen, right? But it really makes a lot of sense when you think about uh, in the in the amateur tournaments or when you're playing with people who don't play poker a ton of the time, you want to put them in positions where they have to risk their tournament. So a lot of times that's going to come on the three bet. A lot of times that's going to come on the double barrel. Uh, a lot of times that's going to come you, you, just making short little choppy raises from the butt in the cutoff. What I see everybody else doing, and, and what I mean by choppy is you're just trying to chop out little pots. What I see everybody else doing is, oh, I got seven four of diamonds in the... Uh, <laughs> Under the gun plus two. I'm going to open. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Because if you get into a goofy spot and you hit a little something, you get it in, guess who's the bubble boy? And that, you deserve it. You were opening a seven and a four from early position. I don't, I don't know what you thought was going to happen. People aren't, in the old days, you'd see Phil Ivey and Gus Hansen open anything because people would look down at ace queen and they go, I don't know if I want to play this. We're almost on the money. People, people know better than that now. They're, they're, give them some credit. But what you want to do, that three bet terrifies people. So if, if let's say somebody opens and your normal three bet would be, let's say, ace-queen offsuit. I'll go down to ace-ten offsuit or something like that. Use it as a blocker. And if they call... I can hit the ace and I can check back or I can make small bets on the flop and turn to control the pot size and to buy the showdown. I, but I'm not wiling out on the bubble. I, I'm not, you want to become the bubble boy. A great way to do that is to pretend you're men, the master in 2003 and play every hand. And there's a, and have your horses play every hand for you as well. But it, it's, it, <laughs> I think it's it's really in the subtleties. Don't open too much. Put people in spots where they have to where they have to jam and I think generally you're going to find they're just going to fold. Now here's the thing, as you move up in stakes, everybody's going to know what I just told you. So you're going to have a lot when you open late in the game, you got to be prepared, especially you guys at the WSP look for this when you're on the bubble. When you open, a lot of these pros are going to put you to the test. If they think, and remember, it's not even that bad of an idea for them, because if you open a 2.5x and they 3-bet to 7x, they're risking 7 big blinds to win 6 or whatever's out there, given the annies and everything. Their bet only needs to work 50% and some change. You, if you have 33, 40 big blinds, you've got to risk your entire tournament to prove them wrong. So you actually should tighten up your opening range, and you want to be four-betting damn near everything when they three-bet you. So you want to be the guy jamming, because ICM-wise, if they call you, and if you think they know their ICM, and you'll usually be able to know who's who, because they poker players are ridiculously bad at not letting people know how much they know, uh, you want to be jamming on them, because if they call you, and they have a similar stack size, they are just spewing equity to everybody at the table. They're just walking around the table going, and $100 to you, sir, and $40 to you, sir, and $20 to you, sir, and $26.50 to you, sir. All right, let's run this flip. And that's before anything happens, right? You just, you can't, and if they're, if they're educated, they do know that they shouldn't be calling off all their chips. Uh, right before the bubble, ICM-wise. But you, as the shover, you get a little extra fold equity because the guy has to risk his tournament. And I think that that's, that's served me well, and I, I do feel I have a very good cash rate. Once uh, I, I had to use every trick in the book to, find, uh, to cash the WSP main event last year. It was insane. It was, but it was, uh, it's, fun, it's a really fun game, uh, 
I like to think of these as separate games. I always try to imagine... This is a fun way to look at poker. Is A lot of people I find when they're short-stacked on the bubble, especially if they just lost a big pot, they get so mad. And they go, but I wanted to win this tournament. Well, tournament poker is designed in such a way that you don't always get to win. It's uh, Sometimes just getting a cash is serious money. And in the WCP main event, it was 4000 and change for a cash. So... Always, there was a game when I was growing up called NBA Live, and sorry guys for all the digressions today, but I just, I just, I wanted to make this a more classic one-outer episode, and these all do tie in. There was a, there was a game when I was growing up called NBA Live, and normally the NBA Live series was terrible compared to NBA 2K, but there was this one year they had this amazing mode where it would just put you in the heat of a game and give you a goal, which was you're, you're coming off the bench. The, the score is 85-78. Tie it up before, you're, uh, b- before your coach takes you out again and puts in the star player. Or there's four minutes left in the game. You're down seven. How, how do you find a way to win this? And you can just play this mode over and over again. I found this really makes me think of really tough situations as an opportunity. And if you can think of that, in the context of poker, if you can think of it as a bit of a video game, or just a game in general, the way kids look at games, have you, when you watch kids play games, they don't really get mad about the variance. Yeah. They're just excited to play. Unless, it's really funny though, Barry, once you give them a reward, or you tell them you're, you're really smart, if they win the game, that's when they start pouting and hating it. And then you see adults do the same thing <laughs> in poker. And it's, it's really it's quite illuminating. But, yeah, just go in, have fun with it as a game. The bubble game is just another game. Don't, don't get too hard on yourself. I have made, I want to say, two or three day fours in my life and have not cashed. It just it happens. You're, you you got it. And, by the way, one last thing. I find a lot of you guys doing something wrong with Vegas. Here's how you do Vegas, and this is why I came off the tour, is because I couldn't do this. You have something fun every day you want to do in Vegas as a consolation prize, okay? So whatever it is, in Vegas there's a thousand things. There's minor league baseball, there's circuit shows, there's magic shows, there's... there's Tons of, you can fire machine guns, and unlike Barry's experience in Latvia, you can't grab the machine gun and kill everyone else if you <laughs> wanted to. That was that was you. Te- yeah, that was you telling me about that, right? Yeah. Yeah, you were fine. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't they have like no controls? You could just grab the machine gun and go. Oh, the guy just the guy just handed it to <laughs> me and he standed at the side. I could I could have shot him with any of the guns he gave me. I was a. Uh, AK-47, a pump-action shotgun, and like a little 9mm like Beretta thing or something. It was... Every one of them, he just gave them to me and then stood like slightly to the side. I could have turned the gun and killed my mate and him and then turned the gun on myself or whatever. Easily. Yeah, well, well, not, okay. like, not like it entered my mind, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm totally yeah. not creeped out now, but yeah. And, but, uh, <laughs> No, it's funny because in Vegas, I guess, my buddy was doing it and he told me, like, the guy stands right behind you with a firearm in case you do get that idea. And I guess there's glass around it or anything. But, yeah, there's so many things to do in Vegas. Anti-gravity chambers and uh, ATV tours. Pick one you want to do on each day. Make it a vacation. Pick your tournament. And if you bust the tournament, go do the fun thing. But if you screwed up in the tournament, you go home and study. So if you play the tournament, you play your heart out in this tournament, and you screw up, go, go see Penn and Teller. Treat yourself. And make sure you get a workout in. Don't eat bad. And then go, start again the next day. What you don't want to do is what I was seeing a lot of guys do out there is you bust, and you go see your buddies, and you drink till 3 in the morning, and yeah, you try to do it again the next day. That's that's burning the candle at both ends. You're you're not going to be doing that well after a while. But yeah, anywho, it's uh, it, just look at it as a game. And if you bust, 
there's a lot of other fun things to do. I, I'm discussing Las Vegas right now because many of you are in Las Vegas, but and it's much different than Kahnawake, Quebec. There wasn't as much to do out there other than see the very nice seven-foot-tall Native American gentleman walking around with machine guns. A lot of guns in today's episode, Barry. But, yeah, any, yeah. anywho, I guess we should wrap up. Guns and anger, manage, anger management and guns. At least it's a Yeah, balance, exactly. You know? yeah. yeah, it's a real yeah. the, the funniest thing is I feel like a total hypocrite because I'm making all these vegan dishes now. Like, oh, I don't want to hurt the animals. Oh, rage. But, yeah, no, nah, <laughs> I, I don't care about the animals. I care about my health. Anywho, let's go. Okay. All right, Alex, how can people get in touch with you for private coaching and your webinars and books, etc.? All the assassinate goodness. If you, want to go, if you guys want to get in touch with me, write me at alex at pokerheadrush.com. And if you guys want to sign up for my newsletter, go to pokerheadrush.com. There's a little thing on the side. Follow me on Twitter, at The Assassinato. And that's a nice little timeline for... If you guys ever want to know what's going on, just click on that timeline, and there's a bunch of announcements and stuff like that. If you send an email in within the last week, I will be getting back to it today. I just... Yeah, getting caught in airports and uh, having... Uh, <laughs> having my computer overheat... Uh, didn't didn't really help things last night. I, I, I had a bunch of time set aside to do that. But, yeah, I'll be doing it today. And, anyways, I think that's about it. Uh, looking for, Write me an email. Be good to talk to you all. Take care. Oh, and follow me on YouTube at uh, Assassinato Coaching. Okay, and keep your questions coming in for Alex. Email questions at com, and we will get to them on a future show. Until next week, Alex, thanks for uh, coming along, answering the questions and letting off some steam and uh, chill out, have a relaxing week, and we will speak to you next Thursday. Thank you for having me on. Are you, are you going to say cheers or what? No, I was going to throw you this week. You've, you've caught on to it, yeah. <laughs> I will now. I will now. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.